Let's get to our message today. It comes from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. The word of God reads, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you, do, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come and worship. We thank you, God, that no matter what happens in the world, the worship, your worship never stops. May it never stop in the hearts of your people. We love you, Lord, and we don't care if we're in our bedrooms or if we don't care, or we're here at church. We don't care where we are. We just want your name to be lifted high. So God, may your spirit just touch and open up our hearts that we might hear your voice today, whether we're watching a screen or whether we're here. Lord, we pray that you will be magnified at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, last week, if you've been listening into our sermons, we covered the motivation for what our the motivation for why we live out our new lives with Christ. And what we said last week is that, and what Paul said, what God said, is that that motivation is love. We are loved. We are cherished. We were handpicked by God to be cherished and to be holy. And it's absolutely wonderful. And God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we could know him and know that love personally. That's how awesome it is. And if you understand that, that that was God loving us, then every single day that we live, we choose to live for God as a thank you for that love. And the way we live for God is by living out his image to the world, holy and blameless. That is Christianity. That's all of Christianity, you know, as a whole. And so today, you know, we're going to talk more specifically about how we live out his image in this world. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, shares what that looks like in great detail. And what's really immensely interesting, when we look at this new life that he describes and how we're supposed to live it, it really is interesting because it's all about how to love others in this world like God does. But that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It makes perfect sense because true holiness can only be obtained in true community with others. Do you guys get that? I'm going to repeat that for a second. True holiness can only be obtained in true community with others. You know, there's a few challenging trends that I see as a pastor in the church these days, and I want to share three challenging trends that I, uh, I see these days. The first is this. I think there's an increasing number of people who claim that they're Christians, who claim that they follow after God, but yet they want to have to do nothing with the church. 
you know, and maybe it's because they were hurt in the past. Maybe they were burned by the church in the past. Regardless, because of one reason or another, you know, they don't want to have to do anything with the church. And so they decide never to come to church. The second, the second group of people I want to talk about, or the second difficult trend that I see, is that there are other Christians who don't necessarily dislike the church, but they just honestly believe that they don't need the church to grow, or they don't need to physically be a part of or be a member of a church in order for them to grow in Christ. You know, they have the internet, they have uh, books at home, they have resources, they have YouTube, they can watch online Bible studies and listen to other people talk about scripture together. One person even told me, Eddie, don't worry, you know, I don't think I really need the church to grow. I have the internet and the internet has all that I need. And so they decide never to join a local church. The third thing that I see is there are people who come to church, which is awesome, and but they only talk to their friends. They only talk to the exact same people every single Sunday. They don't ever volunteer. They don't ever step out of their comfort zones. You know, they don't ever serve anybody else. They don't take risks, and they only do what is most comfortable for them when they come to church. Now, I share all of these examples for one simple reason. None of the people in any of these three examples are ever going to grow. Okay? That's a harsh statement. But true, the reason why is because true holiness can only be obtained in true community with others. And I'm going to explain that for the next few minutes. Can I address these situations first, though? You know, the first situation is the person that doesn't want to have to do anything with the church. And my guess is that the reason why is because you've been burned by the church. You know, maybe there were pastors or spiritual leaders who may have hurt you or disappointed you in the past. Maybe the hypocrisy of the church was just way too great, so you decided to have nothing to do with it anymore. I totally get it. I get it. I've seen it. You know, um, you should expect better from spiritual leaders. And, you know, on behalf of all the spiritual leaders and, you know, pastors in the past and my colleagues and I, I apologize. You know, if we have hurt you, if we have modeled a faith that wasn't Christ-like, I'm really sorry. Please forgive us. But please also understand we're just humans. We're trying to do the best that we can and we make a lot of mistakes along the way. So please forgive us and please come back to church. You know, please consider coming back to church. We would love to have you. But can I also say a tough truth? Here it is. Um... If you truly love God, then you already know that all those hurts that you may have experienced within the past is not a good enough reason to give up on the body of Christ, to totally abandon the body of Christ. And I'll explain more in a minute. To address the second situation, to the persons who think you can grow simply with the internet or with books, this is what I'll say to you, you're just fooling yourself. The best that you can get from the internet and books is information. But you will never get true spiritual formation from those places. Why? Because we were created to grow in Christ by being loved by others and by learning how to love others in true community. This is the only way. This is the way God designed it. Okay. And lastly, to the final situation, to those who come but only kind of talk to your friends and never step out of your comfort zones, uh, if that's you, I'm going to either assume that maybe your spiritual life is not a top priority in your life, or maybe you're just not courageous enough to take steps to grow in your faith. Um, 
look, church is a great place to meet friends, and I want you to do that, and I think it's awesome. But to grow in Christ means to intentionally learning how to love people that you may not know very well, intentionally being vulnerable to people that you may not know very well. Why? Because true holiness can only be obtained when you're committed to love others and when you're committed to be loved by other believers in a faith community. You can only become more like Christ by learning how to love people that are not like you. You can only grow in Christ when you learn how to love people who do not like you. You can only learn how to grow in Christ. You can only learn how to grow in Christ when you love people that have hurt you in the past. And you can only really grow in Christ when you learn how to love people that you don't like. Right? Whoa, Eddie Bang, why would I ever want to do anything like that? And the reason is simple. It's because God loves you, right? God loves you. And by learning how to love others the way Christ does, and by being loved by others in the church the way Christ loves you, this is God's way of using the church, not only to help you grow in Christ, but to deepen your experience of his love for you as you do so. The church is God's way for you to grow, to grow you and to grow others in holiness. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that soon. But did you know that the did you know that marriage is a microcosm of the church? The Bible says that the relationship between a husband and wife is to mirror and reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. But why am I sharing that? Well, every husband will know that marriage forces them every single day, every single moment to be like Jesus. Wives know that too. But I don't know why. I think it's harder for husbands. Maybe because I'm a husband myself. But I was talking to a husband one time. And he was just sharing with me how much he loves Jesus. And he was just sharing with me how much he loves growing in Christ. And it was awesome. But he never realized how sinful he really was until he got married. He never realized how selfish he was until he got married. He never realized how limited his love was until he got married. He never realized how much he didn't pray, how much he didn't depend on God to change and to grow until he got married. And after he shared all those things, you know, I totally agreed with him. And I said, but man, don't worry. We just have to do it until the day that we die. And we both laughed, ha ha ha. And then we both cried because it's so true. Because marriage is hard. Right? Marriage is hard. But the ultimate reason why we choose to die to ourselves, the ultimate reason why we choose to serve our spouses, whether you're a, you know, a, a husband or a wife, is not because you love them. It's not because they love you. But the ultimate reason why we choose to die to ourselves when it's too hard is because God loves us. And we want to be like him. And that's why we love our spouses limitlessly, the way that we do. Marriage makes us holy, right? And that's why it's good to be married. And if you do marriage the way God intended, you will always be challenged. You will always be forced to become like Jesus through it. And what's great about that is that you will experience his love and his power 
in much deeper and profound ways than you would have if you were single. It's absolutely great. True holiness, all the point being, true holiness can really only be obtained in true community, when you're committed to love one another with others, right? You know, the church community is not a marriage. But the commitment that we make to church is very similar to the commitment that spouses make to each other when they get married. We as believers in the church are to love each other through all the ups and downs, right? Through all the difficult times and through all the great times. Reconciliation must always be central in all of our relationships with people in the church. Your love must never be conditional upon the worthiness of the recipient. And you are to do all that you can to inspire, to challenge, and to empower people in the church to know God and to grow in Christ. Is that easy? No. Love is hard. Love is never easy. Therefore, the church and being a part of the church should never be easy as well. Okay, you know, just like marriage or church won't be easy. I'll let's just say it that way. You know, just like marriage, church is meant to challenge you. Church is meant to stretch you. Church is meant to, and I say this sensitively, hopefully, church is meant to hurt you. Church is meant to force you to love and care for others who are not like you and maybe with people that you have Nothing in common with. That's the whole point. You actually grow most when you are in conflict with others. You grow most when serving becomes very difficult and it starts to cost you a lot. Sometimes pain is good. And I say that very cautiously, you know, only when it's the right time. But sometimes pain is good. And the reason why pain is good is because God is challenging you. He's, he wants to strengthen you. He wants to use you. And that's why it's difficult. And the reason why pain is good is because it makes us realize how sinful we are. It makes us realize how selfish we are. It drives us to repentance. It drives us to depend upon God and to ask him for his limitless love, his limitless strength, his limitless care that we don't have and we don't possess naturally so that we can love others the way God does. That's what the church needs to be in order for us to grow. Is that, is that description a little bit different? Is that description of church a little bit different than what you're used to or what, what's been described to you? I hope it isn't, but if it is, please embrace it because that is what God designed. And the reason why Christ or God designed the church to be that way is so that you can grow in holiness to be like him. Church was never meant to be a perfect community. Do you guys get that? Church was never meant to be a perfect community. I hope that makes, I hope you, you know, that always stays with you. Church was never meant to be a perfect community. However, church was always designed to be a perfecting community. God created the church to perfect us in Christ Jesus by teaching us how to love like he loves and if you understand that, and if you get that, and if already in your heart you know that you are treasured by God, loved by God, and handpicked for holiness, then live out the following Christ-like characteristics to each other. Amen? Verses 
12 to 14. Let's look at that. That's the context of this passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, verse 12, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's go. Let's briefly go through these characteristics together and let me show you the connections between them. Compassion means to feel for another to the deepest part of your bowels. That's literally the Greek definition here, right? To feel for somebody to the deepest part of your bowels. That's way beyond caring. That's like your heart breaking for people. So here's the question. Does your heart break for the people in our church? Does your heart break for the people even in your CG? We need to grow in compassion. That's who we need to be. We need to be people that are driven by that love and compassion for each other. That's true love. Kindness. Kindness is showing genuine sensitivity and care based on the feelings of others. It's others-focused kindness is, right? Here's the question. Do you come to church simply wanting to express yourself in your own way, wanting to treat other people in your own way? Do you kind of come to church just for yourself only so that you could do your service and so that you can just get blessed? Or do you come to church wanting to care for others, wanting to learn from others, wanting to love others based on their feelings and their personalities, right, before your own? That's kindness, And God's calling us to that, right? Let's redefine what church is for us, our own church experience. Let's let kindness define how we do church. Humility is having nothing to prove and nothing to lose in all of our interactions with each other, right? We serve people because they need to be served. They need us. And not only that, but when we look at them, if we have compassion and and kindness, when we look at them, we're moved, And we believe that they're better than us, just like Christ believed that everyone else is better than him. And so we serve each other. That's humility. Let's grow in humility. Gentleness is using your strength to build and to bless others and and to not tear them down. That's what gentleness is. Isn't that interesting? Using your strengths to build others and to bless others, help others, and not tear them down. Right? What if everyone came to church with that kind of mindset? You know, today I'm just going to go to church and I am going to... Use my strengths to help other people, to love other people, to build other people in Christ. And can you imagine if everyone did that within the context of compassion, kindness, and humility? If everyone did that to each other, that's the church that I would never want to leave. You know, that's amazing. Let's grow in gentleness. Patience. Patience is choosing to accept suffering in the face of injury or insult. Choosing to accept suffering in the face of injury or insult. That's huge, isn't it? What does that mean? God's telling us that if we're, gonna, if we're part of the church, we need to expect to be injured. We need to expect to be insulted. And if we are to model patience, that means that we are to accept the suffering as a result of that insult and injury. What is that saying? It means that God is telling us that it is necessary to experience hurt regularly in the church in order for us to grow. Isn't that radical? It is necessary 
for us to experience hurt in the church in order for us to practice and grow in patience. Did you ever notice that patience is the first word that's described in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. That's like the biggest, that's the biggest characteristics of love because what it's basically saying is that not only is patience essential, but it's essential because we recognize that we're sinners. And you know what sinners do? We hurt each other, right? If we're sinners, we're going to hurt each other. Therefore, patience has to be the first and foremost thing that we need to practice to each other if we are to maintain the unity and love within our church. That's what the church needs most. So let's grow in patience. These five virtues all lead to verse 13, which is forbearing. When we practice all of these five values, we actually increase our capacity to bear with each other in love. And that happens because, once again, we realize increasingly how sinful we are and therefore how much we need to treat each other with grace and not with judgment and how we need to like love each other and build each other rather than wanting to tear others down because that's how Christ treated us. That's why forbearing must always lead to forgiveness. It's not enough to bear with each other and to put up with each other's evil. We must forgive it and not only forgive it, but we must take extra steps to love others, to build them in Christ in order for us to grow. We only grow by living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he says forgive as Christ forgave. Do you guys get this? So if there are people that you're just putting up with at church, can you just stop? If there are people that you're just kind of like, uh, just dealing with, yeah, whatever, whatever, can you stop all that? You need to stop that. And we need to love them. We need to forgive them. And therefore, we need to ask God to give us his heart and his love and his care for them so that we'll care for them and build them so that we can grow ourselves, you know? If you refuse to forgive and you just choose to bear with people at church, um, then you know what that does? That attitude actually leads to self-worship. You know, Instead of obeying the way God defined church to be, we're saying, I'm just going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And that's a form of self-worship, which means that you are intentionally making church about you. And here's a radical statement, but that is evil. It really is. Because church is to be about the thankful worship of Christ alone. And that's what we're called to model to each other. So let's grow in it. Forgive. Okay? If you're just bearing with each other, if you're just dealing with each other, let's forgive, let's love, and let's grow each other. Verse 14 says, Over all those virtues, let's put on love, which is the binding agent of all the other virtues. And the main point here is that these five virtues actually attain full, they attain full impact when they are empowered by true love. And that's what keeps the church in unity. That true love, when we put love as our highest value, that's what keeps the church in unity. Whenever we see a church split, or whenever we see church fraction uh, become you know fractured, it's because somewhere, somehow, along the way, this, this supreme value of Christ's love has been compromised, has been rejected. Let's never let that happen to our ministry. So if you kind of understand what God is doing here, God, the church, is God purposely bringing together people who are different. It's God purposely bringing together People who will disagree. People who will conflict with each other. People who are unpleasant. People who are sinners. But if we practice love 
as our supreme value, do you know what it leads to? It leads to peace. And not just any order, any peace, it leads to the peace of Christ. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. This peace of Christ that it's talking about, it's, just, it's not a normal piece of, it's not a normal peace. The peace that Christ, the peace of Christ is the peace that Christ accomplished for us when he died upon the cross to reconcile us to God. We were once enemies, but now Jesus Christ died upon the cross so that we could know his love for us, the kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. And now that reconciliation, here's the command here, what it means the peace of Christ needs to rule within our lives. The reconciliation that we receive from Jesus Christ is to be now what determines and drives the way we conduct all of our relationships inside and outside the church. You guys get that? That reconciliation that we receive from Christ is the driving force, is what is to determine how we conduct all of our relationships with people within the church. What does that look like specifically? And let's go through this. Let's look at this a little more practically. What does that look like? the peace of Christ in the church. Well, let's look at Jesus Christ for a second. When Christ saw people who were lost and, there, and that people were in broken relationships, his heart broke and he initiated his love for them. What does that mean? It means that if there are people within the church, when you come to church, or maybe just even in your CG, if there are people that you don't know very well, or if there are people that you are in conflict with, then Pray for them. Ask God to give you his love for them and initiate love with them. Seek to build them. Seek to grow them. Seek, seek to have this heart for them to know God through you. Reconciliation has to be the driving force and the deciding factor in how we conduct our relationships. What did Christ do next? He became one of us. He became a man. And then what did he do? He spent time with us for three and a half years in ministry. He showed us how much he cared for us, how much he loved us. He taught us amazing eternal truths. And by his actions and his attitudes, we learned what holiness really was. What does that mean for us? It means that when, we are, when we're going to have relationships with people in church, if we're going to have relationships with them, then maybe what we need to do is to step into their lives and to learn who they are and what they're all about so that they know that we care for them and that we love them. We proved it by stepping into their lives, you know? And we and we, we spend time with them. And we prove to them how much we care by listening to them and caring for them and modeling a holiness so that they can grow and know Christ through us, right? That's what God is calling us to do. Hopefully we can do that to every one of our CG members during the lock-in. Last one, Jesus then died. He paid the ultimate price to win people to God. And we must be willing to do the same, you know? Hopefully our hearts will beat with this desire for people to know God and to want to grow in Christ. And therefore, we have this willingness to do whatever we can to help people get there. You know, that's what it means. All that is peace. All that is the peace of Christ. Oh, but Eddie, that's so hard. Yeah, it is. I don't, I could never do, you know, those things myself. But that's why we need verses 15 and 16 because it, not only, because it, it gives us instruction on how we can grow in these areas. And it gives us instruction on how we can actually practice it to one another. Verses 15 and 16 says, And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. If I can just sum up what these two verses are saying, it's this. Be a thankful worshiper. Have we heard that before? We have. have be a thankful worshiper of Christ. That's the calling here. And the way we become one is by making the gospel and the word central to all of our friendships, right? How do we become a thankful worshiper? By making the gospel and the word central in all of our relationships at church. You know, I've been to many churches. I've been a part of many churches within my life. And let me just share with you a pattern that I've seen very powerfully, you know, over the past 30 years. You know, the, the churches that I've been a part of where I see lives dynamically changing for Christ are the ones where people deeply, where people get together to deeply contemplate and live out the word together. People will literally get together and talk about truth and they'll challenge each other and they'll like correct each other in a very loving and in a very edifying environment. And that's really, really important, right? They just don't get together to yell at each other or to Point, each, point out each other's sins. But that's really huge. And what they do is they don't point out the faults in each other based on church culture or what they think church culture should be. They, they, they point out each other's faults and they challenge each other based on truth, based on eternal truth, right? Based on the word, which we know in the book of Hebrews tells us that it's powerful because it penetrates soul and spirit, which tells us that it has the power to transform our lives. And not just us as individuals, but us as a church, and that's why the word has to be central in all of our relationships. You know, I talk to many Christian families, and the most common question I probably get from a lot of parents is, how can I raise my children in the Lord? How can I raise them to be, you know, children who truly do fear God? And this is what I basically say to them. I said, over, the, over all these years that I've been a Christian, this is what I've noticed. The, to me, the, and especially being a youth pastor as well, the parents, you know, there's a lot of parents who believe that they need to teach their kids like good Christian morals and values and, and habits and cultures. And those things are kind of good. But the children that I see that grow up to be great disciples of Christ are the ones where parents spend time discussing scripture with their kids. They don't just teach them this is what the Bible says, which is an important part, but they allow their children to interact in scripture. They discuss it together. They try to apply it together as a family. This is spiritual formation. And this is why it penetrates and makes a huge impact in people's lives. It's because the relationships within the family are based on scripture. And it's based on forming each other to grow to be like Jesus. You know, can you imagine if the church had small groups that did things like that? Oh, wait, they do. It's called CG, right? We already have it. You know, especially during this lockdown period, what a great opportunity it is for us just to talk about truths together. Maybe you guys can review Jonah things and talk about those things together. Maybe try to apply things. Talk about scripture, contemplate, meditate upon scripture together and help each other grow. Let's do that with one another. If you do that, I believe that you will skyrocket in your growth and in your knowledge of God's love for you. You know, if you want to grow to be a thankful worshiper and help others to do the same, meditate on scripture deeply. Make it your joy, right? This is the only way that you're going to sing songs of gratitude like verse 16 says. But we also need to take it a step further. The word must be exchanged with one another. Let's do that during this time. You know, center your friendships upon the truth and help each other live that out. You guys do that, you guys will live lives 
of gratitude. Can I share a testimony of something awesome that's happening within our church this year? You know, I was talking to a uni student um, some time ago. I was talking to this uni student, and she was just kind of sharing with me, and she said this to me. She said, Eddie, I'm really excited. I said, why? Because I'm going to talk to my friends that I grew up with in church about their relationship with Christ, about our relationship with Christ. And I know that doesn't sound very much, or it doesn't sound like a lot. And so I asked, yeah, why is that so awesome? And she was like, I was born and raised in this church. But believe it or not, I've never talked about our walks with Jesus, ever, outside of the church with those friends. But I want to, and I think I'm in a place where I really want to now. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome, you know? I, I almost cried, right? Because I just thought, wow, that's God. That's love. That's real love. When you get to the place where this is what you want most with your friendships at church, that's awesome. That is love. I hope all of your church friendships are commitments to build each other in Christ and to love each other like Christ would. I want to be a part of a church like that. And we are becoming one, aren't we? Let's continue to do it. Do you guys believe that we could be a church like that? I do. Verse 17 is going to help us get there, and we're going to close with this verse. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, which means everything that you do in life, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is it saying? It's saying make your whole life, inside and outside of the church, a thankful worship, centered upon the gospel and the word, loving others with Christ's love, operating your life in the peace of Christ and modeling what Christ did for us. You do that, and not only will your new life with Christ be lived out so powerfully for his glory, but our church will never be the same. True holiness can only be obtained in true community, so be a part of community. If you want to grow, you must commit yourself to people. You must commit yourself to love others and to be loved by others in the church. Once again, church was never meant and was never supposed to be perfect, but it was always supposed to perfect you. So let's always treat church like that. To do church right, it takes compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience, bearing with each other, forgiving one another, and love, which means that it takes a lot of repentance to become like that. It takes a huge commitment to become like that. Um, is it hard? Yes. Uh, it's very hard. But remember, you were chosen to be cherished. You were handpicked to be holy. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, let's live out our faith. Let's live out who Christ is. Let's live out his image into this world as thankful worshipers. Let's pray. I know it's a very uh, sensitive time in our city today, but more than anything in any, in any era, it is always an opportunity to be a thankful worshiper. Can we just spend some time asking God to make you a thankful worshiper? Let's let this opportunity, this lockdown, be this period. It's like a fasting period where we can be overwhelmed with the grace of Christ once again. We can be overwhelmed with his love once again as you meditate on scripture, as you meditate on the gospel, as you meditate on Christ. And let's allow his love for us 
to teach us and to train us in how we are to love others. And hopefully through this time, can I ask you to deepen your commitment to the church, to deepen your commitment to your faith and spiritual community, deepen your commitment to your CG members, commit yourself to love them like Christ would, be willing to get hurt, be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to be vulnerable and open yourself up to them and just to love them and to care for them without judgment. Use your gifts to strengthen and build them just as Christ would. What a great opportunity. So much to say, but let's just ask God, God, make me a thankful worshiper that makes an eternal impact on my church. Can we pray that together? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our church. We thank you that you handpicked each and every single person to come to this church. You handpicked each and every single person to be part of our CG. That you called us, you called me to love each one of those people. And Father, through that, you've given us an opportunity to know you greater, to experience your love much more powerfully. And God, to exhibit your love to others so that they can experience you through us. God, we pray that you'll make all of our friendships in our church based and centered upon you, God. And continue to transform people and transform relationships within our church to model the gospel, to model your characteristics so that your image can reign in our church. God, may you be glorified. May you become greater. May you make, make, make our hearts desire your holiness and your greatness so that you might be glorified through us. We thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.